welcome back to Good Noise. This week, Good Noise is happy to kick off our From the Vault series. First up in our From the Vault series is a play from our 2001 Fathers Project, You Were No Accident, by Paul Siefkin. An expectant father tries to describe to his soon-to-be future son the journey his parents have already been on just to get him there. If you've raised a kid in America in the last 10 years, you're likely to have been touched by the fine work of this week's playwright. While he was a regular playwright in our first five seasons, Paul has since become better known as the president and CEO of Fred Rogers Productions, where he's led several award-winning series, including Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Peg and Cat, and Odd Squad. Before joining Fred Rogers Productions, he spent several years at PBS, where he managed the development of such PBS kids series as The Cat in the Hat Knows a Lot About That, Sid the Science Kid, Word Girl, Wild Crafts, Fetch with Ruff Ruffman, and yes, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. The titles he has steered have received numerous Emmys and worldwide recognition. Following the audio cast with Hamilton Clancy, there's a short interview with Paul, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Good Noise. Here's You Were No Accident by Paul Siefkin. Okay. Should I start? All right. Um, the camera is screwed up couldn't get it to work. So I'm just going to try and record this. All right. So, well, first off, today is June 10th, 2001 at about 9.40 p.m. And in case you don't recognize the sound of my voice, I'm your dad. It's about three days before you're supposed to be born. So I thought I'd give you a little welcome to the neighborhood message before you got here. Your mom's asleep right now. You wear her out, little man. That's right. We already know you're going to be a little boy. We figured that we'd taken most of the guesswork out of the baby making anyway, so we might as well know in advance whether you were going to be a boy or a girl. Wow. I... I can't, I can't believe we're so close to having you come into our lives. But know this, kid. You're not even born yet, and you've already been a giant pain in my ass. You're definitely not one of those kids whose parents go around saying, We didn't plan on having kids this early, but I guess our little angel had plans of his own. No, my young son. You were no accident. At first, we were casual about getting pregnant. We just stopped using birth control. What's birth control? Ask your mother. Anyway, after a couple of years with no luck, we decided to get serious. And that's when I took on one of man's greatest challenges. I learned all about your mom's cycles. Ovulation, menstruation, tiny little changes in her body temperature. We plotted her temperature on a big piece of graph paper trying to target the best times for making babies. Talking about romantic. I thought about installing a punch clock next to the bed. We tried for months but still no luck. That's when we started getting helpful little reminders of our failure from everyone we knew. So 
When are you going to have a baby? I was already pregnant with my third at your age. When am I going to get a grandchild? But when your Uncle Chip, who's still living in your grandma's basement, started asking, we decided it was time to go see a fertility doctor. As near as I can tell, fertility doctors are the medical equivalent to the guys working at Jiffy Lube. They want to check all your fluids and they want to do it in a big hurry. So your mom, who plays the part of the car in this little metaphor, went through every performance test known to man. See, if mom's the car, then I supply the oil that makes her engine work. Without good oil, the engine just locks up. So the doctors basically wanted to test what grade of oil I was supplying. So I had to bring them a sample and that's when you started being a big pain in my ass. So, to bring the doctors a sample, I pump some oil into a cup. How I pump the oil is really a private matter. Then, I got in the car and raced to the lab because I needed to deliver it under an hour, or it's no good. Kind of like a pizza delivery guy. Remember, I'm racing against the clock. So I call, I say, hello, my name is uh, Stanley Johnson and I'm trying to find your office. I needed to drop off a sample. Yeah, th that's right, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. Uh-huh, inside an hour. I, I, I know, I, I've got about 15 minutes left. Yeah, yes, well, well I'm on Morrison, uh-huh. Well, well, that would explain it. And the next time you change locations, why don't you fucking tell somebody? Sometimes you have to talk that way to make sure people understand you. So, I finally get to the lab with about 10 minutes to spare. You don't normally carry this stuff around in a plastic cup. Now, pretend there's a window here, like the drive through at a McDonald's, and there's a nurse on the other side, real nice lady. Hi, I just called. I, I need to drop off a specimen. Uh-huh, she says, and grabs the bag. She takes the cup out of the bag and hands the bag back to me. Then she just looks at me, like she's waiting for me to put a tip in the cup or something. And, and, and I don't know what she wants, so I just guess. Am, am I supposed to sign something? No, honey, you don't need to sign anything. I just need the form from your doctor. You don't have the form, do you? Look, baby. I can't take you this, this year's sample unless I have the form. What you need to do is call your doctor and have him fax the form on over here. And then she hands the cup back to me. So here I am with a cup of my own precious bodily fluid in my hands in a room full of people. Did I mention the room was full of people? Full of people with their eyes moving back and forth between me and the cup. So I call the doctor and it's busy. I try to tell the nurse, but she's already shut the window. I call again and again for like 15 minutes, which means my oil's gone bad, and now the people in the room are doing everything they can not to look at me. Finally, the doctor answers, and he puts me on hold, and the goddamn hold music is some Dan Fogelberg song. Oh, you don't know who Dan Fogelberg. That, 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 that makes my head want to explode. When the doctor came back on the line, I, I didn't yell. I begged. I pleaded. 
He said the fax was on its way. I knocked on the window, and this is what I get. I can't take the sample unless I'm holding the fax. So, the nice nurse and I waited and watched as the paper slid out of the fax machine inch by inch. By the time I finally released my sample into her custody, it was 30 minutes late. So I tell her, it's, it's late, is, is that a problem? She says, no, it's not late. We factor in an extra few minutes in case something like this comes up. Now she tells me. A few months after I dropped off my McSample, after we had gone through all the tests and followed all the steps, we faced the moment of truth. I was sitting here in this very chair on the big night, and your mom was sitting in the bathroom peeing on a stick. That's how you can tell if you're pregnant or not. They have this stick, and when you pee on it, it turns colors, and then... Honey, honey, what's it say? Nothing. Are you sure you're... Are you sure you're doing it right? What do you think I am, a moron? And... And nothing? Nothing! Just... Plain white plastic stick! You're a stubborn little son of a bitch, you know that? Now it got really interesting. The doctors decided to take me out of the equation. They thought they might get your mom's engine working right if they were to bypass a few of her parts and get the oil right where it needed to go. So, when it came time for her to get her next oil change, we went to the doctor's office. The nurse had your mom lie down on the table like this. She kind of looked like a big letter Y, but they probably won't teach it to you like this on Sesame Street. The nurse said the doctor was going to take a long, skinny squirt gun filled with my best oil and he was going to shoot it right where it needed to go. Usually, I can't aim very well because you kind of get a bad angle doing it the traditional way. The nurse left the room, and your mom and I were left alone for a few minutes. We didn't say much. We were both a little nervous, and I was just about to say something really supportive when the door swung open, and there he stood holding his squirt gun by his side, looking like a, a gunslinger in the old west. He didn't say a word. He looked like he'd been rustling up babies most all his life, and now he was setting his sights on your mom. Finally, he spoke. Don't worry, Mrs. Johnson. This won't hurt a bit. A man of few words. He examined your mom for a few seconds, and then he took aim. Your mom looked at me, I looked at the doctor, the doctor looked at the clock. He got a steely look on his face. Your mom squeezed my hand and he squeezed the trigger. He was quick and he had a steady aim and then he was done. And he raised his squirt gun to the light for just a second and he tossed it into the hazardous materials bin. He had done what he came to do. Your mom released her grip on my hand. She, he said, take timer to 20 minutes, and then he said, just 
Sit tight until the egg timer goes off, little lady, and then you'll be ready to go. And just like that, he was gone. After Doc Holliday left, there was a big long silence. Finally, I said, how much time is left? Your mom said, we still have about 19 minutes, babe. Do you think it's going to work? Uh, of course it's going to work. Did you see that guy? He doesn't miss. But your mom thought I'd better talk to my boys, make sure they do their job. All right, boys. You know your objective? Infiltrate the uterus and inseminate everything in sight. And failure is not an option. Now, go in there and kick ass. That's when your mom suggested another approach. Maybe you should sing to them instead. Sing? Yeah. This is a happy moment. They should be having a frat party down there, not storming the beach at Normandy. So, I tried to think of a happy song, and that's when it finally came to me. That's right. You know the song. I plan to play it every year on your birthday as a tribute to your existence. Celebrate good times. Come on. Celebrate good times. Come on. There's a party going on right here. Insemination to last throughout the year. So bring your good eggs and your best sperm too. We're gonna inseminate your uterus too. Well, come on now. Insemination. Let's all inseminate and have a good time. Insemination. Let's all inseminate and have a good time. It's time to come together. It's up to you. Make our treasure, everyone inside my girl. Come on! Your mom was laughing and shouting for me to stop. But that just made me sing louder. I was singing so loud that the nurse came in to check on us. So I grabbed her and started dancing. And just before the third chorus, the egg timer went off. We uh, went home. And we waited. We waited a long two weeks to find out if the insemination worked. Your mom was going nuts and I wasn't helping. How you feeling? You feeling funny? Anything? Maybe I should sing again. I came up with a few more musical gems, but nothing quite like that day in the doctor's office. Finally the day came, and here I was, in this same old chair again. And your mom called to me from the bed bathroom. Honey, I think you better come in here. From the sound of her voice, I wasn't sure what to expect. And guess what? The little pea stick was lit up like a Christmas tree. We did it. You did it. You were on your way. I just, <laughs> I just stood there 
holding the little stick, and I looked at your mom sitting on the toilet, and we both started crying, just sobbing. I never cried so hard or smiled so big in my entire life. It reminded me of our wedding day, when I was on the altar, and I saw your mom coming up the aisle. I remember I had the biggest, goofiest smile on my face. It was like my face was using muscles it had never used before, and I couldn't change my expression. I remember thinking, what's wrong? with my face as I stood there smiling. It's been almost nine months since that day in the bathroom. I smiled more in that time than I ever have. And when I look back on the whole thing, I realize something. You may have been a, a big pain in the ass getting here. And you may be an even bigger pain in the ass growing up. But one thing's for sure, we're gonna love you more than we knew we could love. And I can't wait to find out what new muscles my face uses when I see you for the first time. That may be the smile that changes my face forever. So, uh, I wish you could take a good look, but you can't. This is your father before you showed up. And the next time I get pissed off about something you did, you remind me of what I used to look like. <laughs> and I'll smile. And then I will ground you. today with good noise with playwright of You Were No Accident, Paul Siefkin. And I have a, a long and um, storied uh, relationship because not only is uh, Mr. Siefkin a writer who's contributed to numerous drilling company projects, but he also happens to be my younger brother, Paul. Welcome, great to have you on Good Noise and especially with this piece. I, I thought I would ask just what are some of the things that make you tick as a writer? Well, I think uh, like any writer, uh, a lot of the topics that you, you start with are based on experience um, and personal experience. And uh, that, that always can help to guide not only the, the the plot of a story or the, the origin of a story, but uh, most importantly, the characters. Uh, in, you know, every character that I've written for, uh, either either it's pointed out to me later or I realize it myself, is, uh, is just uh, a person from my life that I've given a different name. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I work uh, in children's television and mm -hmm. I, I like to say that we create characters and then tell their stories. 
Um, and I like to think of that as a, a pretty good rule, uh, certainly for a playwright. Um, and uh, when, when I've approached the, the short plays that I've done with you, um, I really just, I just start writing. I just start writing the dialogue. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, You Are No Accident is an example of just kind of a stream of consciousness, uh, you know, um, writing style uh, that is, um, for, for me, uh, sometimes surprising what, what, what will, will end up on the page. Um, and then I can go back and edit. But um, if I don't allow myself to get into that um, headspace of just, I'm just going to write down the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, the, the end result is not nearly as fun or funny or creative um, or just weird. Uh, and so I think you, as a writer, if you want to make something interesting and funny, you need to uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, take, take, take the, take the, the, whatever, whatever it is that would slow you down, um, take it off and, and just uh, go for broke and uh, see what comes out. Um, certainly in your first draft. And then uh, you go back and, and figure out what was, um, either just too ridiculous or um, absolutely impossible to create on stage. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it's just sort of a really wonderful story around the, the piece, where you were when the piece actually got written and then uh, kind of what proceeded after. Sure. So uh, the, the theme of the evening that was uh, sent out was fathers. Yep. And uh, I think... Uh, I'm not remembering all the pieces that were in the the, the show, but uh, the the first instinct for a lot of folks would be to think about their own father and their experience with their own father. Um, at that time in my life, I was obsessed with becoming a father. Uh, my wife and I had been uh, trying to get pregnant for a couple of years, uh, more than that, probably three years. First, um, you know, hopeful, then intentional, then realizing we need a little bit of help and then realizing we needed probably a little bit more help. Um, and, uh, anybody who's been through that knows that it's a real roller coaster. Um, every different measure that you take, you're incredibly hopeful and then it can kind of come crashing down, uh, and it's particularly difficult um, on the woman in this situation because she's often being fed uh, a, a heck of a lot of hormones uh, to see uh, how it can all work out. So in the midst of this, uh, there's this opportunity to write a play about fathers. And again, I think uh, this was an opportunity for me to sit down and write perhaps the, the world that I was experiencing, but also the world that um, I hoped to experience soon. It was an optimistic piece because uh, this was the story of a dad who is sitting down in front of a video camera and saying hello to his unborn son. Uh, and the, the, the excitement around that is um, 
anybody who is, uh, you know, anticipating the, the birth of their child, it's, it's uh, you know, just so intense. And so for, for me, I think I was, I was just trying to imagine um, what that feeling would be like. And, uh, and so, um, you know, the, 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 the linchpin of that and, and the, you know, the, the element of the, the title of the play was as he's talking to the son about how excited he is to see him. He's, he also tells him, and you're not even here yet. And you're already a pain in my ass. Um, right. And, you know, let me tell you something, you, you were no accident. Uh, don't ever think it. Um, and, you know, I, uh, we talked about, you know, someday having a onesie with that phrase on it uh, that you could get for your child after going through that. So, right, right, right. so submitted the piece um, and uh, the company apparently saw something in it, enjoyed it um, and uh, performed it. And uh, well, mem- memorably, uh, Dan, Dan Teachout, one of the, the finer actors to ever to work with our company, uh, uh, took that role on quite memorably, as I recall. Yeah, no, he was terrific. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, really fantastic. I, you know, having met Dan a few times, I think uh, I, I can see why maybe he he was matched to play that part, given that you and I know each other. Uh, I think he and I are have some similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the magical thing about that is what so was performed in 2001. Um, and uh, in, in the, the year after the play is performed, we succeed. We get pregnant and we have our first daughter. You had your first daughter, so you, it wasn't you didn't you didn't have a son. You had a daughter, and we did. We had we had a daughter, and I was uh, lucky enough to then had also um, in the long hours of not sleeping uh, submit another piece to the drilling company that was uh, accepted, yes. and so we showed up in October, I think, to see the performance of. Uh, I'm forgetting what evening it was, but uh, of the piece that was in that evening. And we show up with our daughter to the theater. And it was such a magical moment because there's the company, so many of whom were there for the performance of You Were No Accident. And, 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 And my daughter's three months old and we came up from Atlanta to New York with our three month old to see this piece. And it was as much to see the new piece as it was to just show the company, uh, our daughter. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I decided we were going to go see, we wanted to see the new piece, the short piece. And we hadn't arranged for a babysitter. So we just left our three-month-old daughter in her car seat with the theater company because... <laughs> In, you know, backstage and because it felt like you were leaving them with, uh, you know, aunts and uncles and, 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 and people who felt like they had been a part of bringing this person into being. Uh, and what a wonderful moment. It was just such a, for me, just such a magical theater moment. And good fortune continues. Yes, yes we, had, we, we, we were lucky enough to have a second daughter. Uh, and uh, your eldest daughter now is in college. She is. She's a freshman in college. So this yeah. play was uh, written 20 years ago and uh, yeah. she was born 19 years ago. And 
Now she's in college. I, I would say that we would have named her drilling if we could have uh, pulled that off as a, <laughs> as a girl's name, but couldn't really figure out any variant on drilling. <laughs> that is a, that's, that's a very sweet homage. That's much appreciated. Thank you.